0: chapter twenty four of mrs solomon smith looking on by pansy this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty four they up and called him a fanatic why said mrs solomon stooping to pick up the paper this is old news i didn't have any paper while i was away you know and i've been reading up Today i come across an article which made me kind of mad and i've been reading it over again to solomon this evening it is written by a man named smith he ain't no relation of mine for he spells his name with a y i'm glad enough that i don't have to claim him for to tell you the truth i don't altogether like him he writes real interesting too but for a smart man as he seems to be he says rather queer things i wonder if you've seen this it is about most everything, and among the rest, communion wine. He says it won't greatly afflict his soul if he never sees another word on the threadbare subject. According to his notion, the Lord used whatever wine happened to be handy, either good or bad, when he had the supper with his disciples, and he does hope that the whole subject of what kind of wine to use at the sacrament may have rest for the next thousand years now ain't that kind of queer talk for a smart man it is talk that is much needed declared norman springing vigorously to the combat our fanatical temperance friends have done what they could to injure the cause we have need of strong words and pronounced opinions from level heads but it don't appear to me that this man's head is exactly level he is an out-and-out temperance man he goes on to talk about the folly of the other side and he makes it plain enough that the folks who try to make a principle of using the other kind of wine are idiots and then he kind of knocks things over by saying a little against his own views the strongest logicians we have quoth norman are those who can see both sides of a question in fact that is the foundation-stone of all true argument Any other method is fanatical ranting. Have you been troubled about that important question of what wine to use at communion? There was an air of good-humored tolerance about the self-possessed speaker, which would have been amusing if it had not been provoking. Mrs. Smith took it meekly. "'No,' she said, reaching for her knitting and making the shining needles fly. "'I've never been troubled since I've settled the question.' it is about thirteen years since i made up my mind that a thing which poisoned the body and killed the soul couldn't be a fit emblem for the life of that soul in christ and of his undying and purifying love and so i refused to drink it much as i love his table i'd go without the emblems from now till i could eat them anew in my father's kingdom before i'd take fermented stuff into my mouth you didn't know i had a trial of it did you this sentence addressed to me. That time I went with Jonas to church, after Lita was sitting up. It was communion, you know. Well, if you'll believe it, I smelled the wine before they had got within three seats of me. Do you remember our poor Mr. Marshall, who went to ruin because he couldn't let wine alone? That smell just brought me face to face with him and his dead wife and all his awful trouble he a-bending over her dead body and crying like a child, and his breath smelling of liquor then so you couldn't get away from it. There he came right along with that communion wine down the aisle, and that made me think of the other memories that some others must have mixed in with the smell. Poor fathers, you know, and mothers and wives with their sons and husbands gone wrong. Do you suppose I'd touch that cup? not for its weight in gold. Says I to myself, Mrs. Solomon Smith, you need purer and holier memories than that at the table of your Lord. I sat up straight and let that cup pass right by me, and shook my head. My pledge reads not to touch, nor taste, nor handle, and I wasn't going to break it in the house of God. What right had they to tempt me to do it, I'd like to know." norman's face wore its superior smile and so my friend you missed the communion what a pity if you had read your namesake's argument on the folly of having two kinds of wine which you say yourself is an unanswerable argument it might have relieved you no i didn't miss my communion young man the lord can commune with his children without the help of a drop of wine though i own it was a trial to me to have men put a bar up between my right to use the emblem of his own planning but you don't understand what i said about this article i suppose i muddled it i'm a master hand at muddling things it is all on the other side he says if you undertake to make out that folks must use intoxicating wine at the lord's table because he used it when he was on earth then you are bound to make out that they must use bread without any yeast in it for the same reason and it ought to be used even if it gave all the christians in the land dyspepsia for dyspeptics can go to heaven while drunkards can't he's sharp you see and sharp on the right side too i don't believe mind you that the saviour used a drop of the stuff that makes drunkards but even if he did that don't prove that we ought to do it now unless it proves, as this writer says, that we ought to use heavy bread. Oh, said Norman, sitting back discomfited, that's his dodge, is it? I don't see but he is strongly enough on your side. Why are you quarreling with him? Just because he can't seem to stay level-headed. I like folks to be square and consistent." It shows they may be honest, you know, even if they are not on what you call the right side. But I never could understand how a body could be on both sides. You know I told you how he said he hoped the threadbare subject would be left to rest for a thousand years, and he goes on to hint that the way to do it is for each church to do as it likes, and then he says, wait, let me read the very words it is a terrible fact that men have relapsed into drunkenness from taking intoxicating wine on sacramental occasions now if that is so what business has he or anybody else who loves the lord jesus christ and the souls he died to save to let the subject rest it is just that that made me mad i say a man who can write like that and prove things as he has proved them has no business to let the thing rest for a thousand years or one year if it puts one soul in peril it ain't threadbare and no christian has a right to say it the strong old eyes grew bright with earnestness and the shining needles clicked very fast mrs smith had mounted one of her hobbies a bright red spot was burning on laura's cheek norman was lounging back in the splint chair she had given him and was surveying mrs smith with mild curiosity he did not attempt to answer her i believe he was too entirely indifferent to the whole subject to care to i believe in temperance he said pleasantly but i repeat as i said before i think that fanaticism on the subject is to be deplored and avoided it does harm oh i suppose so was mrs smith's meek reply though i looked out the word in the dictionary the other day there's been such a talk lately about fanaticism in one way and another that i wanted to know just exactly what the thing was and it wasn't half so dreadful as i supposed a very great enthusiasm for a subject says webster and I'm sure I don't see why we need care how enthusiastic folks get over a good cause. To be sure, Webster said that schemes of fanatical folks are apt to run away with their judgment, or something of that sort, and I suppose it's so. I suppose some of the ways that temperance folks have worked was lacking in judgment, maybe. But then it don't seem to me that it takes a great deal of judgment to decide that when there's good, pure, unfermented wine, made a purpose for the lord's table that can be had by taking a little trouble and spending a little money we better have it than to have the poison stuff that some folks think is wicked i don't see much of what you call fanatics about that i'll tell you what i have thought sometimes as true as you live and that is that fanatical is a word that some people have got in the habit of using when they want to do a thing that others don't think is right If somebody tells them of it, they up and say he's a fanatic. I dare say Herod and Herodias thought that John the Baptist was a first-class fanatic. There's another thing that I think is queer, and that is the way that money will blind folks' eyes. There's that tavern down at the corners. You know what a low-lived place it has always been, Mrs. Leonard? Well, they are trying to reform it, you know they are getting up a stock concern and they want solomon to go in and take two or three shares and says he if you will make it a temperance house and write out the papers so that it can't never be used for anything else but a temperance house i'll take all the stock you want me to do you believe they would do it they up and called him a fanatic right away it was that day that i looked out the meaning of the word and i ain't liked the sound of it too well ever since she was as innocent as a child she knew absolutely nothing about norman's hotel stock it was simply one of those strange happenings of which this world of ours is full the blood flamed over poor laura's face reaching to her very temples but norman laughed serenely the second-rate tavern at the corners might be very disreputable stock. He was not prepared to say that it wasn't. He was entirely willing that Solomon Smith should think it was, but his logical mind saw no connection whatever between his investing a few hundred dollars in the tavern at the corners, and having those hundred multiplied by many thousands, invested in the St. Pierre, with its massive, many-storied walls, and its aristocratic furnishings was it harder or easier for laura that he was so obtuse he seemed disinclined to pursue the subject of temperance further there was no opportunity for displaying his powers of oratory he was not annoyed by the narrow view which this old couple took in regard to all these matters he was simply indifferent they were at liberty to think exactly what they pleased so long as they did not disturb him and he was not easily disturbed one further thrust which mrs smith gave which did actually bring a flush to his cheek i know you agree with me on that she said referring to the investment for you was brought up to it twenty years ago don't you remember solomon they wanted his father to build a hotel here a real good one and let it to timothy doyle and they represented to him that there was more money to be made by it than any other way and says he, gentlemen, I don't do it. None of my money shall be spotted with rum. I'll keep it clean from that curse, whatever else I do. That was your own father, young man, and I heard him say the very words. That's something to be proud of. You see, it wasn't then as it is now, a kind of a matter of course with Christian people. He was a way ahead of the times." Norman laughed, albeit his face, as I said, was flushed. The world moves, he said, and people's views change. Then he turned entirely away from the subject, as one who thought it was worn out, and would have no more of it. And Laura looked as though she was wearied with all subjects. I was trying to determine in my mind whether a suggestion to go home would be too abrupt, when Solomon Smith, who had been utterly silent during the last discussion and indeed had worn a look that indicated him as thinking gravely about something else now made known the subject of his thoughts in slow serious tones job simmons is sick is that so questioned his wife forgetting alike her stocking and her guests and ready with instant sympathy in face and voice how did you hear much sick dreadful sick i guess in a bad way the doctor said i met him when i was coming from the crossroads. he had the doctor then they must think he's bad what appears to be the matter solomon smith leaned forward reached for the tongs carefully laid two smouldering bits of stick that had fallen apart in such close connection that a friendly blaze sprang up between them restored the tongs to their corner, and sat back in his chair before he made slow answer. He's got the fever. Not the fever they are having in the city. I expect that's the fever. Really? interrupted Norman, in a more interested tone than he had used before that evening. I hope that wretched fever isn't going to break out among your poor people here it has been very fatal in the lower portion of the city hardly a case recovered one of the physicians told me i was panic-stricken laura when i heard of your being with a fever patient i thought at first it was the same disease mrs smith did not seem to hear this her knitting still lay in her lap and she was looking at her husband in a thoroughly startled way that seemed singular to me knowing as i did how free from panic her nature was but what will job do for care she asked at last yes said solomon there's the rub then i why isn't his wife a capable woman she ain't any woman at all to speak of said mrs smith not sharply but as if she were stating a recognized and undeniable fact what little there was of her before is about took out with the chills she's been having this spring they live in a low marshy place and the cellar is damp and they're poor poorer than usual this spring they can't hire no help and i don't know as there'd be anybody to hire if they could folks is dreadful panic-struck about that fever Miss Perkins was telling me today that she wouldn't go into it a bit quicker than she would into smallpox. I don't know as she's to blame. They do say that folks that are over it, taking care of the sick, are pretty near certain to get it, and she's got children to think about. Solomon, what are they doing now down to Job's? They're doing just about as bad as they can. Nobody's there, only Jim Beers, and he ain't no good in sickness you know then there was a moment of silence not of idleness for we were all engaged with the fire solomon reached for the tongs and poked and poked and relaid with skilful touches until from the dying embers there burst a glow of beauty and the flames shot up to the low ceiling and set all the pictures in frames of gold when he once more laid aside the tongs he put his old worn hands on his knees and looked straight into his wife's grey eyes and said maria i suppose i ought to go it seems to me i can feel yet the stillness that there was for a moment i can almost hear the great sigh which broke it and the quiet words solomon i don't know but you are right then after another moment who's to stay with him to-night THERE'S NOBODY TO STAY UNLESS I BE. THEN DID YOU THINK OF GOING TONIGHT? WELL, THERE TIS. THERE HE LIES ALONE UPSTAIRS IN THAT UNCOMFORTABLE ROOM, AND THERE SHE IS DOWNSTAIRS WITH THE CHILD AND THE CHILLS. AND HERE I BE SITTING BY THE FIRE. DID YOU TELL THE DOCTOR, SOLOMON? I TOLD HIM YOU AND ME WOULD TALK THE THING OVER, AND THAT JOB WOULD LIKELY BE TOOK CARE OF SOMEHOW. I could not keep my eyes away from poor Laura's white, startled face. One might almost have supposed that Job Simmons was her dear friend, and to think of him as ill and suffering put her in mortal terror. Across my mind there flashed her of late oft repeated hint, or it might almost be called challenge, that she should like to see Mrs. Smith tried with anything that in the remotest degree touched her Solomon that she might be made to realize what a cross was. I wonder if Laura thought she was being put to the test, and whether there occurred to the child the possibility that it might be in part for her sake. Had she a dim feeling that, perhaps, the Lord had said to her, "'Hast thou considered my servant, Mrs. Solomon Smith, that there is none like her in the earth, a perfect and an upright woman, one that feareth God and escheweth evil?' was she dimly conscious that in spirit she might have answered doth she fear god for naught? hast thou not made a hedge about her and about her house and about all that she hath on every side solomon said mrs smith a whole minute of silence and consideration having passed there's that beef broth hadn't i better put it in a pail and you warm it in the night to hearten you up and maybe job can have a spoonful of it and do you think you could manage the big blue comforter they haven't got a comfortable spot for a watcher to lie down and rest between times chapter twenty four